Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Once again, thank you for being here this morning. We are so thankful that you have made the choice to, to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here with us at Greensburg Baptist Church. If you happen to be visiting this morning with us, we hope that you feel right at home. That is our desire, that you will feel at home here. And if there's anything that any of us can do for you, any questions that we can answer about Greensburg Baptist Church, we would love to do that. also want to say um, hello and welcome to our radio audience this morning. We realize that there are a number of you that are listening through our radio ministry this morning, and we want want you to know that we appreciate you. As we go off the air this morning, you will hear an announcement of how to contact us if you have a spiritual question, and we would love to talk to you. Perhaps this morning you are watching this, um, this sermon video on our internet. If so, welcome. Welcome. Let us know if we can help in any way. We are continuing uh, the Lord Teaches to Pray sermon series this morning. This is sermon number two in this series. Today, as with every sermon in this series, we're using the exact same text, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to go ahead and be turning there, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. And as you're doing that, I want to share a quote with you from Dr. Ray Pritchard. And I want you to listen closely to this because this is one of those quotes you'll probably have to let sink in before you can make the the decision of whether or not you agree with it. If you stop praying, the world will stop bothering you. The great mark of true faith is that we keep praying when it would be easier to quit. I want to read that one more time to you. If you stop praying, the world will stop bothering you. The great mark of true faith is that we keep praying when it would be easier to quit. Now, I want to explain that for just a moment. If we are truly praying in accordance with God's will for our lives, if we are constantly praying, Lord, transform me, transform me daily, make me more and more like you, what's going to happen? We are going to become less and less like what? The world. Less and less like the world. As a true follower of Jesus Christ, there will be times when you will stand against the things that the world is telling you. The call to carry your cross and follow Jesus is not an easy one. It is not a popular one in the society that we live in today. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. The great mark of true faith is that we keep praying when it would be easier to quit. Probably we have all been there. Have you ever been at that place in your walk with Jesus that you felt maybe as if Jesus is not even hearing your prayers? Maybe you feel the equivalent of that you have ran just as hard as you can possibly run and you have banged your head directly into a brick wall. I want you to know in those moments, yes, Jesus hears your prayers. Yes, he hears your prayers. Pray. You know, if we could always know the mind of Jesus, where would faith enter in? Our faith will grow when we keep praying in those moments when we don't understand. So, child of God, I want to encourage you this morning. Pray. 
Pray in happy times. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when your world is falling apart. Just like the Scripture says, pray without ceasing. I want to take just a moment and I do a refresher from sermon number one so that we all start in the same place this morning. But remember, in the last sermon in this series, what we focused on were those verses leading up to the Lord's Prayer where Jesus specifically tells us how not to pray. How not to pray. So in in verse 5 of that particular text, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. The reason Jesus says don't be like the hypocrites is that they were praying to be seen. Praying to be seen. Now as we move to verse 7, he's saying, don't pray like the Gentiles either. Don't pray like them because they were praying for the most part to be heard. And so you might be thinking, why would anybody do that? How could anybody pray to be seen? How could anybody pray to be heard? I want to tell you this morning, perhaps it's easier than you think. Perhaps it's easier than you think to pray to be seen or or to pray to be heard. Right in the middle of those two verses in verse 6, Jesus says, And when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now, the last time we talked about this, Jesus is not saying here that in order for your prayers to be heard, that you absolutely have to be in a room with the door closed. But I will tell you, it helps a lot. It helps a lot if you are away from a phone that's ringing, if you are away from the cares of the world, the distractions of the world. But what Jesus is emphasizing here is the vast importance of being secluded when we pray. Because if we are truly secluded when we pray, there's going to be no temptation to pray to be seen. None. Because the only person that's seeing you is Jesus Christ, the only one that really matters anyway. If we are truly secluded when we pray, we're not going to be tempted to pray to be heard because the only person that is hearing us is Jesus Christ, the only one who truly matters anyway. Now, please don't don't twist this around to say, well, I'm not supposed to pray in public. That is not at all what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is using this to emphasize that our prayers in public should never be greater than our prayers in private. Never. Our prayers that we pray in public should never be the greatest prayers that we pray. Those prayers that we pray when we are in our room alone with God, those should be the ones that are the greatest ones in our lives. So this morning... And in all future sermons in this series, we're going to be focusing on the verses where Jesus tells us exactly how he wants us to pray. Now, if you were with us in the Wednesday night study that we did for six weeks, every session started like this. I had us to read the Lord's Prayer together. So this morning, if you are physically able to stand, I want to invite you to stand right now, and I'd like for you to to direct your attention to the screen. And we are going to read the Lord's Prayer Together. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Now I'd like for you to keep 
that entire text that we just prayed in your mind. You, most of you know it. Most of you could recite it possibly in a different version um, of the Bible, but most of you can recite the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to keep that entire prayer in your mind for just a moment. Although this morning we're only going to focus on one verse, verse 9, where Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's our verse for this morning. But when you think of that entire prayer that we just read aloud, that prayer that we just prayed, I wonder, I want to ask this question, is this how we typically pray? Is this how we typically pray? I want to share a quote with you right now from Dr. Albert Moeller. And he says, one of our greatest problems and deficiencies in prayer is is that we begin with our own concerns and our own petitions without regard for our brothers and sisters. One of our greatest problems and deficiencies in prayer is that we begin with our own concerns and our own petitions without regard for our brothers and sisters. I wonder this morning, if someone were to review a transcript of every prayer that I've prayed over this last week, what exactly would they see? Would they, would they see that I've had any concern for my brothers and sisters? Now, when I talk about my brothers and sisters, I'm not really talking about just my biological brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the body of Christ. If someone were to review a transcript of my prayers that I have prayed over this past week, how much concern would they see for my brothers and sisters? I wonder this morning, if someone were to review a transcript of the prayers that you've prayed over the last week, how much concern would they tell, be able to tell that you've had for your brothers and sisters. Now, many of you have heard me say this before. I am absolutely convinced that we, as the church, this church, Greensburg Baptist Church, any church that truly teaches the Bible, I am convinced that we are not going to see revival, true revival, until we have just as much concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ as we do for our closest family member. Even ourselves, I am convinced of that. I wonder how much time over this last week have I lost in sleep because I am burdened for those people that I know that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ that are on their way to hell. How much sleep have I lost over this last week? How much sleep have you lost over the last week out of concern for those people? I'm absolutely convinced until we get to that point, we are not going to see true revival occur. Now, when we say our Father, remember the verse that we have this morning. It begins with our Father. When we say that, what are we saying? Have you ever been guilty of just reciting something because it's something you've heard all your life? So when we say our Father, what kind of Father is He? What do we mean when we refer to God as being our Father. Now, on the six-week study that we did on Wednesday night, when we got to this particular session, I took a white board and a marker, and I asked the people who was there, tell me what you think of when you think of God as your Father. What kind of Father is He? That whiteboard that night was completely covered with responses. 
completely covered with responses. And guess what? Every one of them was correct. Every response that I got that night was correct. Somebody said, he's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Is he your good, good father? Another person said, he's my comforter. Yes, he is. Is he your comforter this morning? Somebody else said, he is the king of kings. Yes, he is. I wonder this morning, is he your king of kings? Somebody else said, he is the Lord of lords. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. Yes, he is. Every one of those things are correct. I wonder, what is he to you today? What is he to you today? You know, there's a big difference in saying he's a good, good father and living your life as if he is. There is a huge difference in saying he's my provider and actually living your life as if he's your provider. There is a huge difference in saying he is my king of kings, he is my lord of lords, and actually living your life as if he is. I wonder, what's the world seeing When they look inside our lives. When they look at us Monday through Saturday. Can they tell that he's my Prince of Peace? Can the world tell that he is my Prince of Peace? Or do they think he's anything but that? I hope that as the world is watching us, we are pointing them directly to Jesus. Now one thing, I want to read to you just a definition of how the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message addresses the topic of God as our Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in His attitude toward all men. All men, all people. But I wonder, do you believe? Do we believe that He's all-powerful? Do we believe He's all-knowing? Do we believe He's all-loving? Do we believe He's all-wise? The answer to all of those, yet we probably would say we believe it. We probably would say that we believe He's all-powerful, that He's all-knowing, that He's all-loving and all-wise. But do we actually live our lives as if we believe that? I hope that the answer is yes. Now, before I move on, I want to just quickly say, if you are not familiar with the Baptist Faith and Message, I would encourage you to read it. It is one of the most important documents of Southern Baptists. This church affirms it. If you go to our website at greensburgbaptist.com, there is a tab for About Us, and then there will be one for What We Believe. Everything that's on that tab comes directly from the Baptist faith and message, and there is Scripture to support every one of those things that we believe, that we affirm. There's also a link on our website, right on the home page, that will take you directly to the website of the Southern Baptist Convention, where you can see this document in its entirety, I'd encourage you to read it. Know what Southern Baptists believe. Know what this church believes. And you might be wondering, so why the 2000 version? That's simply the last time it's been revised. That's the last time that it's been revised. But take a look at that and know exactly what it means. Now, when we move on to the last part of that verse, hallowed be your name. 
What's that mean exactly? You know, if I were just to have a conversation with you, if, if any one of you were to come in my office and have a conversation, probably the word hallowed is not going to come up in my response to you. Probably not going to. And I doubt if it would come up in your what you're telling me. It's not a word that we use a lot anymore. Now, there are other words that I might say to you that mean the same thing, but I'm not likely to use the word hallowed. So... Again, so many times it's easy to fall into the trap of saying something because we've heard it a million times and not really even understand what it means. So I want you to know this morning that hallow means to make holy or to consider as holy. To make holy or to consider as holy. So with that in mind, I want to ask you, how holy is Jesus to us really? How holy is He? How holy is His name? You know, when the angel first told of the birth, how the birth of Jesus was going to take place, they said, holy is His name. His name was holy from the very beginning of His lifetime. But I wonder, how holy is it to us? How holy do our lives indicate that His name is to us? I hope the answer to that would be very, very holy. Now I want to put the text of the prayer back up on the screen for you. And I want to make sure that we didn't miss one thing. I want you to pay particular attention to the language or a few words. Our, your, your, your. Us, our, us, our, we, our, us, us. Now remember, this is the model prayer. The disciples have asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. This is how he chooses to do it. Notice the language. Notice the language that he uses. Do you realize that the words I, me, and my are not found anywhere in the Lord's Prayer? Not even one time. Not even one time will you see any of those words in the Lord's Prayer. And again, remember, this is how Jesus is teaching his disciples, how he is teaching us how to pray. And it caused me to stop and wonder how frequently do these words appear in my prayers. If I'm being completely transparent with you, there have been so many times in my life that my prayers have sounded more more like a grocery list of things that I wanted instead of how Jesus really wanted me to pray. I wonder what, what do your prayer life, what does your prayer life sound like? Do those words... I, me, and my, do they frequently appear in your prayers? Or is it we, us, our? Again, I think when going back to the quote that I shared at the beginning, when we get to that point where we are truly concerned with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to find that we are praying we, us, our. It will not be I, me, and my all the time. I'd encourage you, pray we, us, our. And I want you to remember again that the word hallow means to make holy or to consider 
as holy. And again, how holy really is his name to us? How holy is it? As we sort of prepare to close this morning, I just want to remind you again that that the book that I read that got me onto this, that really God used to bring conviction into my life as how I was praying, is this book that I've got on the screen right now, The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down. I want you to listen closely this morning. One of our problems in society today is that If we're being honest, we really don't want our world turned upside down. We don't want it turned upside down. And we for sure don't want our personal one turned upside down most of the time. Not not even if it's Jesus that's doing it. We've got to get to the place where we are willing to step out of our comfort zone. We are willing to step outside the box, even if it makes us uncomfortable. We've got to be willing to have our worlds turned upside down. I'm convinced if our prayer lives are transformed, if my prayer life is transformed, if I am continually praying, Jesus, make me more and more like you, guess what's going to happen in the process? My world is going to turn upside down. It's just like that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. The things of the world will grow strangely, what? Dim in the light of His glory and grace. Do we want those things of the world to grow dim? Part of our problem, part of our problem in society today is the answer is no, we don't want the things of the world to grow dim. It's like we want one foot in the world and one foot on Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Folks, I represent to you this morning, we need our worlds turned upside down and we need them turned upside down daily. I wonder this morning, will you pick up your cross and carry it and follow Jesus? I wonder, will we do that? Will we do that as a church? Will we love our neighbor as ourselves? Will we represent Jesus in everything that we do? I hope the answer is yes. I hope the answer is yes. This morning we want to extend an invitation just like we do in every service. And you know, Brother Blake and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I just believe that one of the tools that the enemy has used and he uses successfully is confusion. He has caused people to think that it is way more difficult to accept Jesus than it really is. Folks, it is so easy to accept Jesus that a child can understand it. And many times children have an easier time of accepting it and understanding that process than adults do. Because Satan wants us to think it's hard, that it's difficult. Satan wants us to think there's no way that Jesus could ever forgive us. And that's a lie directly from Satan. And I told Brother Blake a couple of weeks ago, I said, I just feel convicted in every message that I preach to end with how do I become a Christian? What does it mean? How does that process happen? What do I have to say? I want you to know it's as easy, it truly is as easy as we tell children in Bible school that it is. Now, it's not nearly as easy 
to follow him after the fact as it is to accept Jesus initially. But the process of asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to become your Lord and Savior, it's not complicated, folks. It is not complicated at all. You've got to be willing to admit that there's some sin in your life, that you have done some things that did not honor Jesus. And I want to tell you, I would raise both hands up to that. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I've done things in my life that did not honor Jesus. Yes, I've done things that I'm ashamed of. But guess what? Jesus forgave me of those things. Do I still mess up sometimes? Yes. But He forgives me. Thank God for mercy and grace. Thank God for His love. And we've got to... The B stands for believe. We have got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He lived and walked on this earth and that He lived a life that did not contain any sin whatsoever. He was somewhat different than you and me. You've got to believe that. But it doesn't stop there. You've got to believe that He loved you so much that He was willing to walk to that, that hill and be crucified on that cross because He loved you so much. And it don't end there either. It doesn't end there either because He was buried. And three days later He arose. That's why we celebrate Easter. We've got to believe that. If we don't believe that that tomb is empty, our religion is no different than any other. Jesus' tomb is empty. Praise God for that. And then we've got to be willing to confess. That's where the C stands for. Confess and repent your sins. You've got to tell Jesus that you're sorry. And then you ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. That's it. That's the process of asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And as I said, the process after that is way more difficult. But guess what? We're in it together. We are in it together. That's the reason it's important to come to church. We are a family that will walk beside you. Guess what? We've all got problems. None of our lives are perfect, and neither is yours. But we know the one who is. We know the one who is. Perhaps there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want you to know this morning that today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. It's not tomorrow. It's not the day after. It's not next Sunday. It's today. Please don't think I'm going to put that off. You may not live that long. You may not live that long. Once you go to heaven or hell, it's forever. It is absolutely forever. Maybe there's other people here today that are Christians. Or, and I don't want to leave out the radio audience either. If you are hearing my voice today, maybe you are a Christian. But maybe you know that you have not been honoring Jesus. He has not had first place in your life. Ask Him. Ask Him today. To forgive you of those things, He will. Tell Him you're sorry. 
You know, I'm convinced I think our altars should be full in this church and every church every time we meet. We should, we should wear the carpet out on the altar. We really should. And I pray that we will. I wonder today, do you have a decision? Do you have a decision to make? Maybe today you're thinking, you know, if somebody were to review a transcript of my prayer life, I wouldn't like it. I'd be, I'd be sort of embarrassed on what they would see. Maybe it contains a lot of I, me, and my. Or perhaps there's no transcript. Perhaps there's no transcript at all. I want you to know that can all change today. Jesus is waiting at the foot of the cross. And as we close today, as our musicians come, I want to remind you that He is your Father. He is a good, good Father. He loves you in ways that our minds cannot understand. He loved you enough to die for you. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He is your Comforter. He is our Provider. I wonder, will we allow Him to be? Will we allow Him to be? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be in this place today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to call you my father. Father, I I just want to say I'm sorry for all those times that I have lived in a way that might cause people to wonder, does he really believe that, that you're my provider? Does he really believe that Jesus is the comforter? Does he really believe that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Lord, I confess those times that my life might have looked differently than others saw. Father, I pray that you will move throughout this place today. Father, I pray that we will experience freedom here today. I pray that we will experience salvation in this place today. I pray that we will experience surrender in this place. Father... Thank you for what you have done to this point. But most of all, thank you for what you will do. Father, I pray that you will strengthen us now to honor you with every ounce of our lives. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.